that fire is. And we, God, we just thank you that you are the God of peace. God, what comes to my mind is that you are an all-consuming fire, that just as life swallows up death, would the all-consuming fire, God, swallow up that fire, Lord God, that you would be with our firefighters, that you give them wisdom, that you would you know, protect them. God, we just pray that whatever's going on there, God, we speak peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, good. We don't have to be distracted by that anymore. If you still smell it, it's all right. Um, our God is an all-consuming fire. You're smelling the presence of God. Um, it's, it's a good thing. Um, I'm going to ask it again. Who here you sensed the presence of God during worship? Praise God, man. Who here could have just stayed in worship for the next three hours? <laughs> that's me. I could have done it. Uh, so good. So good just to be with God. And um, that's a little bit what I want to talk to you about this morning is just what happens sometimes in the presence of God. Um, if I were to title this morning's message as it's falling down in the presence of God. And if you were here last Sunday or if you witnessed what was going on this last Sunday, last Wednesday up at youth camp, there was some falling down, people falling down in the presence of God. And so this morning, my heart is as a pastor, I want to have a little bit of a story time, like as as a family, I'm just sharing what's going on and to have a conversation kind of, but it's one-way conversation, I guess. I'm just the one talking right now. Um, but it's kind of a teaching. I want to go through some scripture and give some biblical understanding of what is going on and why is that happening. And then hopefully some preaching. Is that making sense? Like it's a conversation, it's teaching, but it's going to be some preaching, meaning the Holy Spirit has words for you this morning. It's not just teaching. Like I go to school to learn information, but I come to church not just to learn information. I come to church to have time with Jesus. To encounter men. So I just felt really quick to remind you our vision statement here at Osborne. We kind of made up a statement and it says this We pursue a relationship with God by three things by embracing His promises, meaning His scripture, the word. We are going to bring His word and hide it in our hearts so we might not sin against God. We are going to embrace everything that it says. We're not going to find scripture and say, Well, that seems a little strange and weird, so I'm going to leave that over here. No, we embrace all of God's word. And I'll get to all three of them, but really quick. We are, we are labeled or qualified. We're a non-dominational church, but we are a full gospel church. And that can be offensive to some people, meaning they only have half the gospel. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if it's in God's word, we believe it. If the New Testament was doing it, we're going to do it. If Jesus did it, I'm doing it, right? So if he, if he healed the sick, as, as Pastor Greg said, I'm going to try to heal the sick. It's not me that heals it. Jesus is the one that heals but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay hands and ask for Jesus to heal. If Jesus raised the dead, I'm going to be bold enough to pray over a dead man and see them raised to life. Jesus did it, so it's, I'm not the one that does it, right? But Jesus did it, so I'm going to follow his leading, right? All those things that I want to, if I see it in scripture, then I'm saying yes and amen to that. That belongs to me. So I'm going to embrace all of this. If I'm pursuing a relationship with God, it means I have to embrace all of this. So that's the first one. We as a church, we embrace the promise of God. We encounter his presence, that's something that's core and vital to this church is there is something as the very presence of God, that there is, God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at the same time. He's God. But there's something about when he shows up in his glory or he reveals himself in a powerful way. And I'm saying, I want to encounter that presence. I, I don't want to just have a distant relationship with God. I want to be intimate with him. I want to be close to him. And as I get close to him, I'm, I'm seeing more of his character. I'm seeing more of his attributes. And there's things where I encounter his presence. Things happen. So that's what we're believing for this church. We're going to embrace the promises. We're going to encounter his presence. Thirdly, we're going to empower his people. 
So that's what we're going to do is we're not just here just to give you a good word and have you leave and see if you can figure it out. The idea is that we want to disciple you. We want to help come alongside you. The Holy Spirit is there to endue you with power from on high. The idea is that you are to be empowered to do what God has called you to do. So that's what we do. We pursue a relationship with God by embracing his promises, encountering his presence, and empowering his people. So that's who we are. So now I'm going to bring that in the context of falling down in the presence of God. What does that mean? Can I just be real and upfront honest with you, having a conversation with you? It is a bit weird and strange in the natural to see someone fall down on the ground. Like if I was walking down the street and I saw someone just, if I was like walking down the sidewalk and I saw them and all of a sudden they just fell to the ground, I'd be like, oh my goodness, what's wrong? Like I would walk over and like I would check their vitals. I might call 911. Like what's going on, right? But when it's in church and I see it happen, someone prays, I'm like, ah, they're good. But why is that? That can be strange for people that haven't experienced that. And so I just want to talk about it. I want to make it less weird, less awkward, and like, we're just talking about it, right? So for me, I don't have a problem talking about awkward things. You can ask all four, well, at least my three boys. I've had the birds and bees conversation with multiple times. I have no problem talking about it. They might be a little awkward. They're like, dad, we don't want to hear that again, right? But for me, I just don't talk about it. So for me, I'm unashamed of the gospel. I'm unashamed that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I'm unashamed that he sent his Holy Spirit to endue me with power from on high. I'm unashamed that he's called me to preach the gospels. I read Isaiah 61 this morning. I'm unashamed to say the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, not just Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and has anointed Ryan to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. So I'm unashamed of that calling in my life. So I'm unashamed that last Sunday, I fell down in the presence of God. I'm not ashamed of that. But at the same time, I know it's strange. I know it can be offensive to people that don't believe in all those things. So I, want just, I just want to have like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's look at God's word and let's understand it, right? And when I say understand it, there's only to like this degree, can I help you understand it? Because God is a mysterious God. God is God, meaning that he cannot be defined, he cannot be understood fully, right? Because he's an infinite God and we have finite minds. So I cannot fully explain God to you. Just like the Trinity. I can say, well, the Trinity is like an egg, right? God is not an egg. He's not a hard shell. But there's just things that maybe help us a little bit understand. So that's my goal this morning. I cannot explain it all, but I do want to give us some biblical context. Is that making sense? But in this, I'm going to take breaks, and you're going to hear the word of the Lord to you this morning. Amen? You're going to hear God speak something specific to you in the midst of this teaching. So, here we go. This happens all throughout Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to go through nine of them, like, super quick, and then we'll go back and hit as many as we can. Um, so, here we go. Genesis 17.3 records that Abram collapsed when God spoke to him. Second Chronicles 5.14 explains that all the priests in the temple could not stand when the cloud of glory filled it. Joshua 5.14 tells us that Joshua fell down when he experienced the presence of the Lord. Ezekiel 1.28 says that Ezekiel fell down when the glory of the Lord appeared to him. Daniel 8.17 says that Daniel collapsed on the ground when he encountered the glory of God. Matthew 17.6 records that when God's glory was manifested to Peter, James, and John, all three of these men fell to the ground. John 18.6 says that when, people, when Jesus spoke, I am, an entire crowd fell backwards to the ground. Acts 9.4 reveals that Peter collapsed to the earth when he saw Christ on the road to Damascus. Revelation 1.17 tells that the Apostle John fell down at the feet of Jesus at the beginning of his vision on the island of Patmos. So, boom, that's not all of them. That's just nine I wanted to hit this morning. I could give you a whole lot more. But it might be weird, but I'm going to say it again all the time. It's biblical. 
It might be weird that people fall down when God's presence shows up, but it's biblical. It happened all the way in Genesis and all the way to Revelation. I just gave you nine of them really quick. So really quick, I, I talked about a little bit of John last Sunday. Um, John was the beloved disciple, right? He was one of Jesus' best friends, right? He was in the inner circle, so Jesus had three best friends. John is one of them. John claims to be the best friend, right? I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? That's how he talks about himself. And then, oh, really quick, you heard me say, just so you have context for the rest of you, you heard me, if you were here last Sunday, you heard me say that John laid his head on Jesus' chest during the Last Supper. We just celebrated the Last Supper. And foolishly, I said that I would never lay my head on a grown man. That's just weird. And it's amazing how last Sunday, towards the end of ministry time, there was a grown man that had fallen down in the presence of God, and I was ministering and talking to him and praying with him. And then the Holy Spirit said, you remember what you said? And I was like, oh, no. So just so you know, this pastor had to eat his words last Sunday, and I had to lay my head on a grown man's chest, right, and be friends with this guy. And so I'm just letting you know don't ever tell God you won't do something. That's why I tell him all the time, I never want to go to Hawaii, God. I never want to go there. <laughs> Somehow it doesn't work. I've still never been to Hawaii. He doesn't listen to that one. Um, but there's this idea. John, right? Just going back to John 1.17. I don't have to give the whole context, but you guys remember if you've read the book of Revelation, Jesus is the best, John is his best friend. But when God showed up, when Jesus showed up in all of his glory, he manifested himself to John in a way that John had not experienced before. And when John experienced and had an encounter with the presence of the, the risen Christ, which, reminding you, he's had lots of encounters with the, with the risen Christ. Read Acts. John has seen Jesus in the flesh, touched him like Thomas did. John went over there and touched him too. So it happened lots of times. But this time, it says he fell. He fell down in the presence of Jesus. And I love this phrase. In fact, let's go there really quick. Revelation 1.17. Um, let me find it. You can put it up on the screen. I know I went through really fast. Sorry, Juan. Um, but we'll go backwards. 117 says this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I love this for lots of reasons because I love the phrase. It says, I fell like a dead man. I don't have time to explain it all and all of what happens and give all the different testimonies of what's been going on here the last couple of weeks of people falling down in the presence of God. But a lot of people, they fell down in a sense like they were a dead man. If you saw me last Sunday, I just, I gently just kind of went backwards. There were some people who like jerked and went backwards. There were some people that had all kinds of different experiences of falling down in the presence of God. But the reality is they felt like a dead man. And that is weird. And that's strange. Like I said, that is weird to happen when we don't see it, when we're not used to it. But I guess, oh, I'll quote, some of you might have mixed feelings in here. I'll quit, quote the chosen. Get used to different. Get used to different. Get used to biblical encounters. I'm not going to force anyone to fall down in the presence of God. Just hopefully, you've seen me the last 10 years, I will never force someone to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'll never force you to speak in tongues. But I will be unashamed that I speak in tongues. I will be unashamed to say, hey, would you like this gift? I will pray for you to receive it. I'm unashamed to go for everything that's in God's word. So I'm not going to hide it, but I'm also not going to force you. Does that make sense? I'm trying to share my heart behind this. I will never force everyone, you have to fall down in the presence of God. No, but I'll be honest with you. I just want to be completely honest. I do pray that every single one of you fall down in the presence of God. That is my desire. But I won't make you do anything you don't want to do. But it is my desire. And I love that, 
I, don't, I can't break all these things down, but it says, when I fell down at his feet as a dead man, I, he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I guarantee you, go ask anyone that's ever fallen down in the presence of God. Ask them if they left that encounter having more fear or less fear. Maybe more fear of God, but they had less anxiety, less worry, less fear. The peace of God came. So I'm telling you, when John, who was like the apostle John, he still had fears removed from him. He still had Jesus lay his hand on him and touch him. I don't know about you, who here wants a touch from Jesus? I want a touch from Jesus. I'm, I'm so hungry for more of Jesus, I don't care the cost. I don't care my reputation, I just want more of him. And so I love that John, he encounters this in Revelation. Now let's go backwards and see how many we can hit. Genesis, all the way back in the very first book of the Bible, these encounters are happening. So let's read this one. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 through 3. Again, I'll have it back up here. You can make notes and read the whole context later. But it says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Stop there. Okay, context. What was the very first sentence in there? When Abram was how old? 99, 99 years old. Is anyone in this room too old to encounter the presence of God? No. Give you more context. You can read the first five chapters before this. Decades of relationship with Abram and God have been happening. Abram already heard the voice of God and left his family and went to a place he did not know. Abram had already done several things where he heard the voice of God. He had several encounters all throughout these chapters, decades of relationship with God. And yet at 99 years old, he still fell down in the presence of God. So I'm telling you, there's someone in this room, you're not too old to have an encounter with the presence of God. You're not too old and have a body that is frail, that can't handle falling down in the presence of God. I'll tell you, there's, there's been some ladies up here that I wasn't too sure, like, ah, how's that going to go? The grace of God is there. If it's God, it's going to be good. Ah, okay, really quick. I don't, I, this just came to my mind, so I don't have the reference for it. I'm really bad at references. I know God's word really well. I'm really bad with addresses. So Jesus says this. It's in red letters in my Bible. He says this. If you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more do you think my heavenly father knows how to give good gifts? If a son comes up to his dad and says, I want a piece of bread, would an earthly father give him a stone or a snake? No. So would your father in heaven, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, is he going to give you a demon? Is he going to give you just an emotional experience? No. He's going to give you the real thing. So I guess I just want to make sure I'm clear. Is there such thing as fake and phony? Yes, for everything real, there's a counterfeit. Yes. Can I be honest with you? In this very church, right here in this altar, I've had someone pray for me and try to slain me in the spirit. Like they were pushing me and trying. I'm like, okay, that, that's not God. That's you trying to make something to happen. I've encountered counterfeit. But that doesn't mean there isn't something real. Just because someone makes a, a fake $100 bill doesn't mean that I won't take your $100 bill if you give it to me. Right? Just because there's a fake and phony out there doesn't mean I don't want the real thing. So I'm, I don't care if the enemy keeps coming up with fake and phonies. There's a real thing that I want. 
And so I'm just going to go through scripture. We're going to try to go here really quick. But I, oh, okay, I got along on this one a little bit longer. Abram, 99 years old, more context of this story. Decades of relationship with God, still not too old, still revealing. This is uh, El Shaddai. This is the first time God is revealing himself as El Shaddai, the Almighty One. He's already known God for a long time, but now it's the power of God is being revealed to Abram in a, in a way he hadn't experienced before. That's why he fell down in the powerful presence of God. But I love that it wasn't just God revealing more of himself to Abram. Read the rest of the verses. It says that God changed Abram's name in this context. Wait a second. God had showed up and talked to Abram tons of times before, but this time when Abram actually fell down in the presence of God, God says, okay, now I can do surgery. Now I can do spiritual surgery. Abram, the way you think about yourself, Abram means father. And you have been calling yourself father and you have no kids and it kind of digs at you. How, how can I call myself a father when I have no kids? And it was something that was bothering him. Why? His identity. He had an identity crisis. But something happened when Abram fell down in the presence of God. God did something to change Abram's identity and says, you're no longer just father. You're actually the father of nations. And when you get up, you're going to boldly say, that's who I am. You're going to introduce yourself to a stranger and say, hi, my name is Father of Nations. And they're going to say, well, where's your kids? Oh, they're not here yet, but they're coming. Because that's who God says I am. He says, I am a Father of Nations. There's some of you that I, it doesn't matter how much teaching you hear, you will not be transformed until you have an encounter with the presence of God. That bothers some people. That even bothered my flesh a little bit saying it. But it's true. Can I tell you without telling you everything? Even when I was down last Sunday, I don't understand fully what was going on, but there was some changing of my DNA. I literally had a vision of seeing like, okay, I'm not a scientist, but you guys, I've seen in textbooks at least, like how DNA is strand, how it has like that helix thing. Do you have anyone talking about DNA strand? Whatever. I saw a picture of like a DNA strand where things were being removed from the strand and new things are being added. He was changing my DNA. In other words, I was getting an upgrade. I'll say it this way. Some of you need an upgrade. And it's not going to come through simply studying the intellect of the written word. It's going to come with an encounter with the rhema word of God. We don't live by every, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if you'll read, as we get through at least several more, every time someone goes down and falls down in the presence of God, they hear the voice of God. They hear something being spoken to them personally and something changes within them. That is my desire. I don't desire to force you to do something, but my desire as a, as a good pastor is I want you to have what I have. If I've got something good, I want to share it with you. I don't want to argue. I've said this several times. I'm the worst lawyer in the world. I, I, I'm not good at arguing. Ask my wife if we get an argument, she'll win every time. Like I'm not a good arguer. But there's something that God placed me as a pastor because I have these burning desires in my heart that what I have, I want to give away. I want you to enjoy the same enjoyment I have in my relationship with God. Ah, okay. We got five minutes. Are you okay if I go over? And if you need to go, you can totally go, but I got to go over because there's no way I can get, I can't get to all of them, but I got to get to more. All right. 
Here we go. Second Chronicles 5.14. Oh, this is a good one. So the priests could not remain standing to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I, like I said, I'm not a good arguer, but all I know is if the king of glory and the king of the entire universe actually revealed himself in all of his glory to me, how could I not fall down in his presence? I, I don't know about you. This isn't an argument. This is just me being real. You guys heard that song, I Can Only Imagine? Like, what will it be like when we get to heaven? Will I, will I dance before you, Jesus? Will I fall down? And the answer is like, yes, I'll do it all. But I just know when the weight of his glory fills the temple, I don't know that I could have any other response than other than fall down. Um, can I say it this way? It might not always come when someone prays over you and lays their hand on you, anoints oil over you. I don't know if you sensed it during worship this morning. There were worshipers here up on stage that they just sensed the presence of God and it was weighty. It was heavy. And in that, not heavy like discouragement, but just the glory, like, I've shared this before. I don't know why my brain thinks of movie quotes all the time. This isn't even a famous movie quote. But in Jurassic Park, the, the kids are in the very first one. The kids are in the back and they're playing with stuff in the back of the car. And they have this like, uh, was it night vision? And the adult in the car says, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just playing with this. And he's like, is it heavy? He's like, yeah. And he said, then it's expensive. Put it back. <laughs> I just like that statement because it's true. A toy binoculars, they're just plastic and they're cheap. Real binoculars, they're heavy. There's something about when something is, has a lot of cost, it's heavy. Gold is heavy. There's something about the God's presence when he shows up, there's a weightiness to God's glory. It's not light and frivolous. It's like it's all-consuming. As I said, he's an all-consuming fire. If he shows himself in power, I don't know that I, I would argue, well, I'm not going to fall down. I, no, I'm just going to melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. It says the hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. If the hills melt like wax, then this guy's going to melt like wax. I'm not going to stay rigid and say, no, I'm not going to fall down. No, I'm just, whatever you want, God, I just want to respond to your glory. And I'm going to be bold. When I read this verse, I already said I've already prayed for you. But I prayed enough to have a vision. I see it coming. Whether it's today or it's every time we meet or it's one time years from now, I don't care. I know there is coming a day when the glory of God, just like it filled Solomon's temple for the first time, there's going to be a day when the glory cloud fills this sanctuary so tangibly and so full that everyone is going to be on their face. It's coming. It's coming. It's, it's, it's not if you want to or not. It's just going to be so weighty. It says all of the priests could not stand. They tried to and they couldn't get up. It might seem weird, but it's biblical. It might not fit what you want, but when you want what God wants, not my will, your will be done. That's my prayer. All right, quickly go on to the next one. Joshua 5, 14 says this. So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So really quick, I could talk a lot about this, but I want to go quick. 
I don't know about you, but even this last Sunday, when I fell down in the presence of God, there still was a question, like, what am I supposed to do right now? Should I get up? Should I not get up? I'm the pastor. Should I try to administer? Like, thoughts were going through my head. I love, I use this as a context. What did Joshua do when he fell down in the presence of God? It says, he worshiped. If you don't know what to do, if you are in the presence of God and you're like, what am I supposed to do? What's the right response? Just worship. And I love his next response. After he's done worshiping, what do you want? I'm your servant. What do you want from me? Those are good questions to ask. If you find yourself falling down in the presence of God and you don't know what to do, just use Joshua as your model. God, I just love you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your love. Just begin to praise him and then say, God, what do you want to do? Why am I down here? What are you revealing to me? What do you want to change in me? What do you want from me? What, what is my right response, right? This is a great context, biblical context of what to do when you fall down in the presence of God. Next one. We're going quick because so I got to get there. Ezekiel 128 says this. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I saw it, I fell down on the ground and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. There you go again. It's someone just encountering the weighty presence of God, the strong God making himself known in a new way, in a real way, in a powerful way. And Ezekiel falling down and I love it. And then he heard God speak to him. Almost in all these you hear that after they fell down, they got revelation. They got new information that changed their course of direction. It changed who they were. It changed their life. I'll give you some more context. Ezekiel, it's recorded minimum four times that he falls down. Four different times in his life that he falls down. God reveals himself, he falls down. So I'm gonna say that. If I felt down once in my life, great. It means I can fall again. If I fell last Sunday, great, I can fall this Sunday too. Wait, I fell two Sundays in a row and I have to fall the third Sunday. No, it can happen over and over again. Does it have to happen every Sunday? No, I'm not going to force it. But just so you know, it's okay and it's biblical if it happens to you more than once. If you came forward last Sunday, you have biblical grounds to come forward the next Sunday. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to give you like practical, it's not me trying to force something. I'm just showing you scripture and how it's worked throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. All right. Uh, one more Old Testament really quick. Daniel 8:17. We talked about that one. But it says this. So he came near, near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. I like this one. I don't have time to really unpack it all. But a couple things. It says, the Lord came near to him. It was a progression. I'll be careful how I say this, but I've sensed it too. When we've had times where we're praying for people and they're going down, there's something that the atmosphere, we're saying that this morning, the atmosphere is changing. There's something about the atmosphere, the presence of God is being made known as one person falls. It's kind of like a testimony. Oh, that can happen to somebody else now. And I've seen it happen where before you even get to the person, as as the presence of God is just getting nearer to that person before they even prayed over. I'm just telling you, it happened, I won't say who, but there's a lady over here. We didn't even get over there to pray for her. We just were coming near her direction and boom, she just fell. <laughs> I love that because it's not forced. She's never experienced it before. Her eyes were closed. She'll tell you, I didn't even know you were coming near. I just, she just, her testimony is, I felt the presence of God. 
coming near to me. And my body just responded. This is what Daniel's saying. I sensed the presence of God coming near and I fell. And I love this. It says, I said it several times already. Daniel wasn't understanding things. He had had a vision. God, he had read God's word. There was things that he was wrestling with that he could not understand. But God said, fall to the ground. Now I can reveal to you. Now you will understand. Now that you have responded, now that you've received by faith, now in faith, in spiritual ways, you can understand, right? God's word is spiritually discerned. There are things about his kingdom that the brightest human being on the face of the planet can never understand because they're spiritually discerned. It doesn't come through intellect or reason. There's things that Daniel is a bright young man. It says he was a wise man. He was an educated young man. He was probably the smartest man on the face of the planet. And he did not understand things. But the understanding came after he fell to the ground. Does that make sense? I'm just giving you context of what can happen when you fall. So that's Old Testament. Some quick New Testament. We referenced these things already. Matthew 17, 5. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. Jesus' three best friends fell in the presence of God. I don't care how long you've known Jesus. I don't care like Abram, you're 99 years old. It doesn't matter how long you've known God. It's possible to understand more of him, to encounter more. He's a God of more. And he reveals himself more. I'm telling you, I want all, I'm, the more I get of God, I heard Claudine pray for this morning. The more I get, the more I'm hungry for more. I've heard a pastor say, you can pray for a hunger of God's word, but really it comes after you make yourself read it. The more you read it, the more you'll be hungry for it. There are people that have no hunger to fall down in the presence of God. I'm not mad at you. I'm not trying to convince you anything. I'm just letting you know, try it one time and you'll like it and you'll want more of it. I don't know how to explain it. It's like salvation. Trying to explain to someone who's not saved, they're not getting it. But as you just testify, like, don't you get it? Like, God is so good. Like, he forgives you of all your sins. Don't you want that? And they're just not understanding it. But the moment, like this morning, someone tastes and sees that the Lord is good, oh my goodness, it, the understanding comes not through intellect. It comes through experiential knowledge. That's probably my biggest prayer as a pastor. I said that preached a thousand times in that word yada. Yada is experiential knowledge. It, if you came to get, to get really good teaching and that's it, I'm just going to be bold and honest, you came to the wrong church. church. I, I am a good teacher, but I'm a much better explainer of what God's doing to me. Just sharing what's going on in my life, just to testify. The Holy Spirit has endued me with power and high to do what? To be a, a witness, to testify of what God has done. That's what I'm good at. I can just testify, this is what God's done for me, he can do it for you. I'm good at that. But if you want like lots of like Bible teaching where it's just all Sunday school tri trivia stuff, I'm not the best at that. I love it. I love Sunday school trivia, but I'm not the best at it. All right, moving on really quick. We did Matthew, John, 18, four through six. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Am I allowed to have multiple favorites? This is one of my favorites. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. 
I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. I love this for so many reasons because, can I be honest with you? I, I Googled, and Google's always a scary thing to do, but I, I Googled slain in the spirit, falling on the ground, and you'll get all kinds of people giving you all kinds of opinions. And just funny, one person, their opinion was, well, when I watch Pentecostals do it, they all fall backwards. And every time I see, they all fall on their face. And then I, and then I read this one, I was like, oh, except when Jesus did it, they all fell backwards. So, <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. Yes, you're right, Daniel, Ezekiel, Abram, all these people, they fell on their face. But there's context. You want biblical context? It says, and I love this. Jesus says, who are you looking for? That's a great question. Because if you come forward and you're just looking for an emotional high, you came to the wrong place. If you come forward and you say, I just want Jesus, huh, then you're looking for the right thing. And I love this. In parentheses, it's like they're giving you don't forget, Judas, the one, it says that during the Last Supper, that Satan himself came inside of Judas. Judas, the enemy of Jesus, still fell down backwards when Jesus said, I am he. I love that because it, it strips me of fear as a pastor. Because I'll be honest with you, I wrestled this last week because as a pastor, I want to bring everyone with me. And I know I can't convince everyone to be just like me. But I praise God for stories like this where it's not up to me. I don't have to get people that agree with me and like me, and then we can just do the things we like. Jesus says, it's for everyone. Even the people that hate me and will lie and spit in my face, I still came for you and I'll still reveal myself as the great I am to you. So if Jesus was unashamed, I'll be unashamed. Really quick, I know I'm running out of time, but I read a testimony about a young man who went to church and saw some of this crazy stuff happening and was like, this is ridiculous. Didn't like it at all. And so he was gonna come back the next Sunday and he was gonna prove them all wrong came back, arms folded the whole service long, toward the end of the service, they're going to do their little thing again. He's like, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to have them pray over me, and I'm not going to fall, and I'm going to show them this is all fake and phony. Everything in his head is like, this is ridiculous, had no heart's desire to want more of Jesus. But he came all the way forward, and as that minister began to pray, his testimony is that somehow something got nearer to him. He said, I don't know how to explain it to you. I didn't want any of God and I hated God. But as I stood there, all of a sudden these tears just started flowing down my eyes. So I don't know what was wrong with me. But as that minister got closer and closer, I just started falling apart like a cheap suit. And all of a sudden when that minister came in front of me, I fell down in the presence of God. I was not a believer. I didn't believe in Jesus, but the presence of God was so real, I fell under the mighty hand of God. And God did something to me supernaturally. And I got up and I said, I don't know what this is, but I just want more of it. And I yield to it. I submit to it. And the guy changed his life. See, I'm believing for the same thing to happen here. That someone can walk into our church and think we're a bunch of crazy loons, but she encounters the presence of God and it's real. 
I'm unashamed to be really Ryan, to be really all of who I am and go after everything I want of God. And if that offends somebody, that probably will at some point. My heart is never to offend anybody. But I will not slow down and I will not give up and I will not grab a hold of all the things that God is doing. I gave that testimony. We've got to end with one more. Acts. Acts 9, verse 3. As Paul, Saul, journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There's a biblical context for the same exact thing. This man who hated Jesus and was actually murdering Christians had an encounter with Jesus, fell to the ground, and became a Jesus follower. There is no greater story, really, of falling down in the presence of God than this story right here. Talk about spiritual surgery. Saul fell down one way. He got up a completely different human being. And I like that it says that when Saul got up, it says for three days he couldn't see and he didn't eat and he didn't drink anything. I'm going to be bold again. What we got used to in the last couple weeks is people falling down in the presence of God and within 10 minutes, we're back to good going on with the next thing. There's coming a day, maybe today. There'll be someone in this room that you don't get the privilege of getting up in 10 minutes. For three days, this man couldn't see. For three days, this man couldn't eat or drink. Something deep and profound was going on inside of this man. God was not just fixing one little DNA strand. He was completely wiping away stuff. Murderer, persecutor, hater of God, removing all of that and replacing and saying, I'm going to give you the desires of my heart. I'm going to make you love me like no one else. I'm going to make you the most principled apostle. I'm going to make you write more of the New Testament than any other man. Completely radically changed. It couldn't be done in 10 minutes. Three days of an encounter of being under and falling down in the presence of God. And I want to give you full disclosure. I know the whole story. I know that Saul, his name was changed to Paul in that moment. I know God was doing spiritual surgery. At the same time, I know that he didn't get up three days later and become the great apostle Paul. It says there was a season where he went alone by himself and studied God's word and got revelation. Everything he had met, at this point, he had memorized the first five books of the Bible. He memorized it word for word. He knew God's word. inside better than anyone else in this room. He knew God's word but he didn't know Jesus. He had to go back and relearn for years. Everything in, the, in the God's written word was talking about Jesus. From Adam and Eve to the very end, everything is about Jesus. He had to go relearn everything he'd learned. It took a season. He didn't get to be a, uh, everything on his own. He had to submit himself to, to church leadership. He had to have Barnabas come alongside and teach him how to be an apostle. So I understand there's all of this. There's discipling. There's studying God's word. I understand it all, but don't let, you, don't let your reason say you don't need an encounter with God. You just need discipling. You just need to study God's word. Yes, you do need discipling. Yes, you do need to study God's word, but you also need an encounter with his presence. If Saul needed it, I need it. If John needed it, you need it. If Abram needed it, we all need it. 
I'm just trying to give you biblical context as quick as I can. We could spend weeks and weeks on trying to explain this, but I don't want to explain it. I just want to dip our toes and show you that what we are doing is ordered by God. It's an opportunity. If you are here last Sunday, it's a moment. I've been the pastor for 10 years. I've not experienced what God is doing right now in the way he's doing it in the last 10 years. So I don't want to miss my moment to jump in and say, yes, God, whatever you have, I want it. I want more of you. So as the worship team comes up, we're going to end the service, but it's going to be a little different. We're going to end with a worship song, but I'm not going to invite you all just to stand and sing one last worship song. I know we're already 15, 16 minutes past. If you need to go, you could totally go. I totally understand all of that. But I would be amiss if I just didn't give us another opportunity to recognize the word of the Lord and then respond and receive it. So there's a lot of you in this room that you're older than me, have more gray hair or less hair than me. Don't you be an Abram who laughs at the voice of God. You be an Abram who falls down in the presence of God. Don't think yourself too old that God can't change your entire DNA and change your name. I'd love to say that right here is already the fulfillment of this word, but I believe she's not the only one. There's someone else in this room that you're on a path that you shouldn't be on. Just as Saul was on the road to Damascus, he shouldn't be doing what he was doing. Someone in this room, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And God is saying this morning, he wants to confront that. He wants to reveal himself as the mighty God, as El Shaddai. But do you want to change? Are you looking for Jesus? Judas was bold enough. The very enemy of God was bold enough to say, I'm looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Are you bold enough to say this morning, I'm looking for Jesus? There's some of you that you need an upgrade. You're walking with the Lord. You're doing things right. You, it's not that everything is going wrong in your life. Things are going actually pretty well. But I'm telling you, there's available for you an upgrade. And if that's a hunger, that's a desire in your heart, like what I have with God, it's just not enough. Like I know God is real, but I still have doubts and questions. Why is he allowing this to happen in my life? There's someone in this room that the peace of God is not ruling and reigning in your heart and mind. There's something that's plaguing you. There's a fear, man. I don't know how many times we read scripture. It said, do not be afraid. And God touched them and removed their fears. Someone in this room, you've got a fear. And God says, today's the end of it. Man, I put a fire in the back of the sanctuary to see if the pastor's gonna be afraid. Pastor's not afraid, so you don't be afraid. Today's a day where he wants to remove your fear and it comes from his perfect love. It's not a scary, powerful, making everyone look at you and be embarrassed. No, it's just a receiving of his love. And as you receive his love, his perfect love casts out or it pushes out or expels all of that fear. And you're just saying, I don't need another verse. I don't need another just simple prayer from a pastor. I need Jesus to remove my fears. I need the Prince of Peace to be my God to rule and reign over this area of my life that's just been robbing me of sleep. 
and I'm sick of not having peace. Today, God wants to give you his peace. Jesus says it. These are his very words. He said it 2,000 years ago. He's saying it right now in this moment to you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, my peace. Surpassing all understanding. I'm not going to give you all the answers. I'm not going to give you all the reasons why, but I'll give you myself. I'll give you myself. I'll give you Jesus. And it's going to be more than enough. I can keep going, but that's good enough. If you know that's me, we're going to sing. I'm going to, in just a second, I'm going to invite everyone to stand to sing a worship song. But if that's you, don't just stand and stay in your seat. Make it one fluid motion. Stand and just come to the altar. Come to the altar. Just saying, I'm looking for Jesus. I need that peace. I need an encounter. You fill in the blank. Whatever God's saying to you, you're saying, I want it. Does that make sense? So I'm going to say a quick prayer. Jesus, come and have your way. Be the Lord. Jesus, would you show off as you did in the Garden of Gethsemane? Ready to lay down your life, the most humble man in that moment, willing to give up everything to die for us. But at the same time, you were the most powerful man on the planet. Fully realizing what was about to happen, it says you stepped forward with boldness and you said, I am. God, I pray that you would be both here today. That you would be the lion and the lamb. That your kindness and gentleness would be on display here today. That you would be a good, good father. That you would also be who you were to Ezekiel and to Daniel and to John. That you showed up in glory, in boldness, in fire. And the weight of your glory filled the temple and they fell at your feet. God, today is a day of responding to both your love and kindness, but you're also your glory and your power. And we just say yes and amen. We embrace your promises, we encounter your presence, and we will be an empowered people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing one last worship song? Come forward if you need to come forward. I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever, all my days, I will love you. Let's keep proclaiming that.
look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. The power of God is here. 